0: Welcome everybody. This is only half the story podcast where we interview the most passionate of the passionate people who are pursuing their goals and dreams. On today's episode we have Gabe Rabon and him and I go way back. He's a childhood friend of mine and I'm really excited for everybody to hear his story. It's interesting because at one point in time, he considered himself to be a professional quitter and really turned things around in the last few years and now is the director of operations of the Chara Group. He's running his own business is really what that means and I'm really excited for everybody to hear what he has to say. So without further ado, my name is Andrew Haft. This is only half the story podcast and let chapter three begin. Welcome to the show. I'm very excited to have you here. Thank you for being a part of Only Half a Story podcast. How are you? Awesome,
1: man. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, man. This is, I'm, I'm great. It's beautiful out here in Charleston. One day it's rainy, one day it's, it's you know, the sun's out. So, I mean, li- living the life.
0: <laughs> Love to hear that. Well, I'm excited to hear all about it. So... I want to start off this episode with just a 100-foot a view introduction of who Gabriel Bond
1: is. Yeah, so um, my real name is Gabriel, my mom calls me Gabriel. it's pretty cool, um, <laughs> I grew up in Long Island, Long Island, New York, I moved to Raleigh about a year ago, totally out of my realm, I mean, you know, put a New Yorker, a straight New Yorker, put him right in the South, I had no clue what, where I was, what I was doing, all I knew I was in the Bible Belt, everyone talking about God. I then I then moved to Charleston, Charleston, South Carolina. You know, again in the South, a little bit more similar to Long Island. So, it feels good to be you know around similar minded people in the area. Um, Twenty four. I'm a Taurus, and I'm motivated as a as a motherfucker.
0: <laughs> you said Charleston is like Long Island.
1: It's it's similar, man. I, I'm I'm a little surprised. I, I couldn't believe, you know, I thought moving further down south is going to be a little bit different, but, you know, it, it's similar. It's, it's got, you know, a Long Island vibe to it. The traffic's almost the same. I got beaches everywhere I look and beautiful people. Can't really complain.
0: Okay. Wow. That's something I'll have to check out for sure then. I guess my next vacation is to Charleston.
1: Well, let me know, man. I got room for you.
0: All right. All right. Awesome. So thank you for the introduction. There you go. And not na- the best
1: not the best intro, man. I'm, I'm not good at talking about myself, so this whole thing is a little weird for
0: me. But you're gonna have to get used to it because by the end of this episode, I want the world to know who Gabe Ravon is and what you're all about. But I want st- to I want to start from square one. You said you grew up in Long Island. We actually grew up together. For those who don't know, we
1: did. We did. Gabe and
0: I go way back. Talk about first grade Parkway Elementary back in Long Island, Mrs. Levine's class to be specific, but. I wanna I wanna hear a little bit about your upbringing in Plainview and exactly what that was like for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, pretty average upbringing. I can't, I can't say that I had I had a rough life growing up. You know, I, I mean, my parent both my parents worked. That uh, you know, I had I, I went to a good school. I mean, obviously, you know, we went to the same school. I, I had I had a great support support system behind me. Um, you know, so there I didn't I can't really you know say or compare my life to someone who's really struggled because you know i can't sit here and say that I, I have struggled like that in life um my my parents you know worked, you know your average 45 50 60 hour weeks you know so i was home i was home with me and my sister a majority of the time by ourselves didn't really have you know home cooked meals too often because you know my mom worked in Queens, so she normally didn't get home till like seven eight o'clock at night you know so both my parents worked really hard to provide everything they could that Everything they could as I
0: was growing up. Huh. So it seemed like you were there was an independent childhood for for the majority period of time. My parents
1: were just just kind of looking at me and just kind of like, "Fuck up once, it's over." But it's all it's all on you. There you go. So just
0: shedding all the responsibility towards you since you were a young adult, and now that's helped you shape shape you into the person you are today.
1: Definitely, and I, I would never I would never trade my upbringing. For any other type of upbringing or somebody else's advice, okay, I appreciate I appreciate every every
0: bit of it. Awesome, awesome for sure. When when you grew up in in Long Island, did you like what did you do for fun? What did you do for work? How did it help take you to where you are today? I guess those are these are, these are so, the roots of the resume. Let's hear about it.
1: That, definitely. So growing up, I mean, you know, you you and like maybe two or three other people were probably my best friend within Plainview. Obviously, you know, I didn't have too many friends within, you know, our, our school. Not, not because I don't, I don't think I wasn't likable, just cause it just kind of worked out that way. Um, a lot of my friends, you know, were outside of the school area. You know, I hung out mostly outside of Plainview. Um, you know, so I had tons of friends in tons of different, different parts of Long Island. I played sports, you know, throughout, you know, middle school, half of high school, basketball, football. So, you know, you can say I was probably pretty competitive, you know, not with others, but probably more so with myself. I always felt like I had something to prove to myself more than others. Okay. So you know, when, pe- when people shit talked me, it wasn't more so like I'd have to fight back to them. I didn't really care. It was more so just an intrinsic thing than, than an extrinsic. I, as far as far as jobs go, I mean, lo- I, mean I, I probably got the long. I've probably got this long list of re- jobs that <laughs> that aren't even all my resume. <laughs> I mean, I. People uh, people would probably call me a professional quitter, and that's probably what I was. A professional um, quitter. I quit probably a majority of everything I've ever done in life, starting from, you know, not not so much. I mean, I, I can say I definitely quit. I definitely quit sports. You know, sports became a struggle because of uh, the eye injury I had. And, you know, I, I guess I I could say I was probably lazy. I never wanted to put in the work to actually cope with, the, with my eye, with the eye injury that I had. And then... That's as far as far as uh, you know, every every job I had, I just always you know found something new to do because I I got bored. Okay. You know I didn't know I didn't know what it was to be consistent with something. I didn't know what it was to kind of settle down and just grind into one thing. Well, I kind of hopped. I was a job hopper.
0: We were in high school. I mean, what else would
1: we do? I agree, but you know it it kind of I think it you know it, it says something a, a, about me as a person and. It reflected on, you know, my work as far as school work goes. It reflected on, um, you know, relationships in life. It reflected on everything I've ever done. So, I mean, I, I
0: didn't think it was a coincidence. That's true. That's a good way to look at it. All right. Yeah. All right. So, I kind of want to piggyback off into a few different avenues because you mentioned... Yeah, definitely. you 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 were a professional quitter and... I, I think that's obviously changed these days because for those who don't know, what Gabe is up to today is he's the director of operations at the Chara Group, and essentially he's running his own company. Um, and I'm really excited to dive into that a little Not bit. Not essentially,
1: I, I, I'm an escort. Like I, I'm fully incorporated by uh, by the state, taxes,
0: IRS, all on. Well, excuse me, CEO over here, um, but we'll we'll dive into that a little bit later. And before we get there, I kind of want to backtrack down the resume line. And it, now let's fast forward. So that was everything in high school. I guess you consider yourself a professional quitter. Now it's time to go to college, and we graduated school. What what was that like for you?
1: No, no difference in college either. Again, it just it just it Again, I mean. Because I quit everything then, I never knew what it was to be consistent or work hard at anything because, you know, when things got tough, I quit. It it was in my nature. When things got tough, when I got challenged, I I naturally just quit. So I went away my first semester to college um, and it it was a tough transition. I was never great at school. School is always difficult for me. Always. Likewise. Um, What were you saying?
0: I said likewise. I think you and I can both relate.
1: Definitely. I mean, you know, but I always admired your work ethic in school because you you, man. Like, I, you know, I used to I used to envy the way you used to study and used to be able to kind of sit down and just kind of drill into notes and, you know, make your study guide and study package. That was just never in me. I, I mean, I, I could probably say I also didn't really give a damn. But, um, you know, going into college, everything just carried over, the same attitude, the same mindset. You know, and other things motivated me, too. So I didn't really care about school that much, as much as I should have. I went more so to college because it was just something I was told I was supposed to do. Hmm. My mom was like, you know, you got to go to college. Teachers are like, you got to do this. you know, like, you're not going to go to college. I didn't, we didn't know any different. That's what the school system kind of brings up in us. Go to college.
0: Yeah, yeah. College. I'd say that definitely was the norm for those who grew up in, in our our town for sure we graduated high school and then you go to college it's just what you do but what was what was the tipping point when you quit in your previous experiences like where where did it get so
1: when i went away to college um i had a difficult time because i didn't have the support system that i had at home i had so much backing that like made my that made high school and made everything i did easier that once i once i left i didn't have that so, you know, funny story, I, I was in college, and, you know, I, I could say, like, I never handled, I never used to handle stress really well. So I had a, I had a professor, She was an English professor, and I'll never forget this. Um, you know, I, I kind of, like, expressed myself to her and saying, like, look, I, I really need help. Like, I'm not really sure on, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't understand the material. Like, can you walk me through this? And I think I was kind of, like, more frustrated and upset because I just couldn't understand it. And she, I think she missed, she mistook my frustration as anger. So she actually went to the dean of students and told the dean that I was actually I was I was angry, and she thought I was going to lash out and hit somebody in class. Wow. So yeah, and I, I so the dean of students called me into her office, and I'm having this conversation with her, and I just kind of looked at her. I was just like, what? Yeah. I, I sat there for five minutes listening to what this professor said, and I said. I, and I just walked out of the office, I was just like, I'm out of sync to this. this is stupid. But again, probably not the best way to handle a situation like that, but it's the way I handled it. And at that point, I knew I was, and and at that point, rather than just kind of addressing the situation, and kind of like dealing with it, you know, I just finished out the semester, I found, you know, I found a way out, and, you know, I, I transferred over to Nassau Community College.
0: Okay, so back at Nassau Community College, was it any different than where you went to school previously?
1: Uh, NASA was a little bit different. Again, I mean, I think NASA is—you know—I think they, they had a little bit more help. I mean, professors were a lot more understanding because I think the the amount of um, how much different the people were in that school, right? How like the demographic—you had so many different types of students and people that you, had, you the professors had no choice but to be helpful and to kind of you know put themselves out there for students okay. because of how you know how different everybody was.
0: Yeah, I would say. I mean, hey, going away for college, especially away from home where you don't have that support system, is not an easy task. I mean, look at us now. We're moving away into these new cities where we really have no support system. We kind of have to create that upon ourselves. Yeah. And, I mean... Let's, let's backtrack a few years ago if I were to be in the shoes that I am today and have to go through a very similar experience it'd probably be a lot more difficult so I think it just has to go with the maturity that you've grown and kind of just how your mindset has shifted towards you know all of these challenges that you previously
1: faced definitely I think that you know that also had a huge part to do with it I mean just mature, maturity uh, you know I always just kind of said like you know when I'm ready to go to deal with school I'll deal with it but it's just not a focus for me okay and you know, I, I think it had a lot to do with you know growing up and being mature and you know handling certain situations in just a mature way.
0: Okay, yeah. So when you went back home to community college, you had a. You, I, I know you, you you've had job to job to job, which led to another job, which yeah. then eventually led to your current career path. Can you Definitely. talk about that experience?
1: Yeah, so um, when I got back home from college, you know, I, I kind of I, I kind of lightened my load on my schedule for school. So I was like, look, I mean, you know, I love to work, I love to make money, and it's just what I wanted to do. And I told my mom, I was like, look, I'll, I'll continue going to school, but I, I I have to get a job, I have to make money. I mean, I'm not asking you guys for money. It's, there's just no way I can do that. So I decided to you know f- figure out a job, and you know I, I knew that I I knew all these people around there's so just some way I could get a job that I enjoy. Right, So funny funny enough, um, in high school, I had a job working at 7-Eleven. And I ended up, my freshman year back at college, working at 7-Eleven. And then I also worked at like a T-Vana for like two weeks. And then I I think the 7-Eleven was kind of like the longest I've ever been somewhere. And I think that was kind of like a breaking point for me at one point, where I got so scared and nervous that like that was going to be my life. Because like for some reason, I always just ended up back there. And it scared the hell out of me. So, I kind of found something new. A buddy of mine, you know, managed the gym, and um, I was, you know, I was really into fitness at that time, too. I was working out a lot, you know, being away from school my freshman year, um, and I picked up a hobby, really, like, you know, working out more consistently, eating right, and I, and I got into it. So, um, I got a job working as a personal trainer at a gym. So, that really kind of, I think, started off, you know, where I'm actually dealing with adults and, you know, real people's. Problems, you know, and seeing what you know the working world is really like. Okay, so I got this job working as working a personal trainer. I, you know, um, you know my job was working at New York Sports Club. If you know you've ever worked at a gym, you know your job really is to bring on new clients yourself, right? So, and that's what I did. I, you know, um, I kind of worked the gym a little bit. You know, I cleaned up the gym. I worked, you know, five to nine um, for I think five days a week, and then on the weekends I was. I was at the gym at like 6.30 in the morning till like 12 o'clock. So my job was really just to kind of maintain the gym, clean it up, and in the meantime, pick up new clients, pick up business for the gym.
0: Would you say this was your first sales experience?
1: Yeah, um, uh, no, I wouldn't say this was my first sales experience. I think this was definitely more of my first sales experience in the way where I really thought of it as sales.
0: Okay, how so?
1: so well, it, it was a little bit more aggressive, and we're talking about a little bit more money being spent. I mean, you know, for um, an, just an average, you know, one time one time a week for four times a month, I, I think it was like a hundred bu- 100 bucks, hundred and twenty bucks a session. Yeah, it's right? expensive. I didn't understand that, so like at that time, you know, I didn't understand how to rationalize that to somebody by spending that kind of money. I didn't know how to package that. I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to myself as a trainer because I had no experience. I didn't even have a certification. But so I, the, t- the clients that I did get, I, I I got them off sheer off just basically, on the spot, like being able to just do like a thirty-minute session or forty-five-minute session or for the duration that their workout was, I would just kind of be like, hey, let me train you for the hour. If it works out, we we'll Really? So I would just have to find people. that would say yes. Yeah. Huh.
0: So what did that? Teach- I didn't
1: know. I didn't know physics. I didn't know science. I didn't. I didn't know like you know, the body fat percentage. I didn't know how to use any of the equipment that you have to use, like, that, that's per, that's like the
0: practical practice of a trainer. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, that, w- that would be a struggle, because here you are, you're the personal trainer at a gym. And I mean, I work out at a gym, too, and I see personal trainers walking around all the time. And their goal is to sign clients probably just like what you did. And it's a tough sales process, because, I mean, people go there to work out. And a lot of people go there with the mentality that they already know what they're doing. They're there at the gym. They've probably played sports in the past and here they are just trying to stay in shape. Why would I need a personal trainer? So it's just up to you to really go that extra mile to bring value to whatever prospect you would call on or, or potential client. And that's not an easy sell. Probably had to deal with a lot of rejection in that.
1: Yeah. A ton of it, you know, and I, it was, it was in Garden City too, like in the in the town. So you know your demographic was higher. You know people had money there, it, and you know, and you know people there weren't like, you know, weren't really serious about working out. But it was just something they did because that's what they thought they should be doing, right? So they, you know, they didn't go there to be sold because most of the people that were there are either, you know, accountants or you know making a hundred grand a year, hundred ten grand a year, but frugal with their money.
0: Rightfully so. All right, so you're a personal trainer, and I know, and I, I think this is probably one of the most interesting experiences that you've had that you, I, I'm excited for you to share, but segueing from a personal trainer, you, you took a stab at becoming a bodybuilder. Is that correct?
1: I wouldn't say bodybuilding. I think I, I took a step into the lifestyle of the industry.
0: But you went on stage I, and, and did all of that, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I... I did uh, my first competition when I was 19. You know, got got a nice little sexy tan going, a you know, spray tan. Um, I love your tan and playing in a great place. It was <laughs> awesome. Um, got a little sexy boy shorts and kind of just strutted my way on stage. Um, it was a, it, I think this was like the first time ever where I really put my mind into something and I said, this is what I'm doing and I'm going to do it and I'm going to finish.
0: Okay, so this was the turning point.
1: I wouldn't say this was the turning point. I would say this was more so like knowing that, this wasn't the turning point for me yet. This was more so kind of that step into where if I want, if I knew if I put my mind to something and I was determined enough to do it, I could do it. Okay. and this And this was the first thing where that told me that I had that capability.
0: Okay. Okay, yeah, well, that's an important moment
1: in, in every young career
0: because it gives you that belief that, okay, this is something that I could do, and then you kind of just see yourself all throughout that entire process all the way to the end, and then by the end of it, you notice that, okay, wow, this is this is what I accomplished. You saw the entire yeah, and, process from start to finish.
1: Sorry, keep, yeah, no,
0: keep going. Sorry. No, that was it. I mean, essentially, you, you, you saw it from, okay, I'm going to be a personal trainer, you got yourself into an industry, and then – you became a bodybuilder i mean i think you underplayed yeah. being on stage and what it took to prepare for an event like that but i know for those who are into working out that's not an easy task i mean that takes so no, much discipline I mean, with it the it diet it was grueling
1: man i mean I, if i i could go back and you know count i i can i can always remember the way i felt every day from because i still had clients that i was training i was still taking a couple classes as far as college goes because i was actually training I was still uh, practicing to get my certification for personal training at the same time, and then all at the same time, I was doing adult, uh, two days for cardio getting in the gym. You know, I was waking up at five thirty in the morning, doing my workouts in the morning, going to work, um, hitting a class or two for college, and then you know, doing my certification at night. You know, so my days never ended until like 11, 12 o'clock, and by, but by the time I got home, I was still food, I, I still had to prep my food for the next day. I remember like just feeling like, you know. I I knew the feeling every day I wanted to give up, without a doubt, because there's no other feeling where, you know, you're doing so much cardio and you're lifting so much weight that you get you get to a point where your body's never been before, and, and I know you can relate to this, where yeah. you're exhausted, you're moody, you're cranky, <laughs> you feel tired, like, literally you standing up, you feel like you're about to fall asleep.
0: Yeah, I, I was a wrestler, I've cut weight, it's not fun. And anything where you have to really be disciplined about your diet and then work out on top of that i mean you're 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 minimizing the amount of calories that you can intake on a daily basis and you're trying to get as shredded as possible it's 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 tough it's not fun
1: yeah
0: and absolutely so when, when you went on stage and you competed in that competition to me i think that's the turning point because you saw it all the way through the end for the first time
1: yeah I- I mean, yeah. Again, I mean, it, it, was, it was it wasn't. It was just it was a point in my life where I knew that I can do anything I wanted to if I if I done this, if okay. I did this, I knew for a fact I could do anything because it, it it became more of a apparent to me that attitude was a bigger part of everything that I've ever done. That it's going to be a bigger play in anything I ever do.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's all about the it's all about the attitude, for sure. Moving moving forward progressing after your your bodybuilding career i kind of want to dive into what you're up to these days as the director of operations at the char group and and how you got to where you are today just explain to everybody i work
1: for, for a company in new york uh, i don't want to mention the company just um not that the company's, the company's still around i just don't want to mention it um for a few different reasons
0: okay but, no um
1: uh, the company I worked for, um, it's, it's in the same organization that I'm in now, and we, uh, we were a third party, right? So, and I think, you know, something that we forgot to touch on, I think, for me, like, why, why like, this career path and why this job made so much sense to me was because it, it was something that I've done before. How so? Um, it, it was so much similar to, you know, I, I was a, you know, from promoting because I, I was a pro, cult promoter, from like the age of fourteen all the way up until like twenty one, you know. So I worked, you know, doing teen nights, and then I worked doing eighteen overs, and then twenty one overs. And to me, it was just like, you know, in the job that I do now, it re- it requires a lot of just, you know, talking to a lot of random people, reaching out to a lot of random people, and that was no different in this case. I was able to be face to face rather than just hitting people on the internet and randomly messaging people.
0: So if you got so a I Facebook kind of, notification yeah, back in go. the day. Asking you to go to some kind of club night. You sent those out. That was you.
1: Yeah, I was the guy that everybody hated. (laughs) Like when you woke up at like eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, like like you got your club invite for like the event at the Crazy Donkey next month. That was me, guys. That was Gabe. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, man. I made a killing doing it through high school. I made like four or five hundred bucks every month, right? And even in middle school too. You know, four or five hundred bucks. You know, every month you know, in middle school and, you know, kind of like in ninth grade and tenth grade, that's kind of a big deal. That's a lot of money. Yeah. It's like, I was like, this is stupid easy. It didn't make any sense to
0: me. Yeah. So you were a club, I, we did forget to mention that. You were a club promoter. That was probably a big critical portion of your career growing up and what led to you, what led to, to what you're doing today.
1: I think, you know, for me, you know, that was more so a, that I took really seriously. That was something that I loved. That was because I was a part of something bigger than just, you know, getting people to come, to come to a club. You know, the company I was a part of, you know, we were all really close. and I had a lot of really great mentors who, you know, who taught me, you know, certain skills on how to talk to people and, you know, the things to do to network and build social media and build a platform, build a brand. And I learned all of that growing up. And I think, you know, it it, it made, you know, kind of what I do now a lot easier, because it's so similar.
0: So what do you do today?
1: So today I I run a company, you know, very similar to, you know, one I worked in New York, actually the same company, basically. But I just run my own ICD now, which is an independent contractor distributor. And what we do is, you know, we basically represent, you know, Fortune 500 companies within retailers, helping them drive bottom line and helping, you know, those retailers drive their bottom line.
0: Okay, okay. And you're the CEO. You're running your own branch.
1: It's my company. I do all my interviews, I do my hiring, I do my firing. You know, I have a great I have a great admin slash recruiter and name's Natasha. She's a saint. I love her. So shout out to Natasha. You're great. But yeah, I mean it's it's mine.
0: I think there's a lot of, of knowledge that could be shared of, of what it's like to run your own company. I guess. I think what not you call not what it. it's
1: like, but what it took to get there more so. Okay. Well. Um, I've, I've never worked so hard to get somewhere in my entire life. I think, and it was a constant battle because I, I always know, like, you know, growing up, you know, and it actually became more of a parent now and in the last two years than it ever was, I think one of the reasons why I never had, you know, so many friends in high school and um, not, I didn't have friends, but more so, I didn't hang out with a lot of people because I was always liked by more adults than I was actual people our age. And I start. I started realizing that now because a lot of what I do has to do, you know, with recruiting and being able to relate with people my age. And I'm not good at it. You know, I'm not. I'm not good at because I'm just naturally intense. I'm naturally an intense guy. I'm naturally super. I'm just naturally super motivated. Now I want my goals are just you know very big. And you know, I think my biggest fear right now is being average. And I don't think you know people think that way. I think you know people, you know people's biggest thing is, you know, I need I need a great job working 9 to 5 and and when the weekends come around I want to be able to hang out with my boys, I want to be able to hang out with the girls, I want to hit the bars, I want to hit the clubs. And you know, not to say that there's nothing wrong with that, you know, that, that that's a, that's great, you know, it's, it's a fun way to live and you know, but for me that's just not something I like I've wanted.
0: So so what would you say would be the day-to-day lifestyle for someone in your shoes?
1: So you know, my day to day right now, I'm, um, you know, I get to the office at about seven. I'm kind of getting ready for my day. I'm looking over my interview schedule, um, looking over some of the candidates that I have coming in for the day. From there, and then, you know, I'm I, I'm big into leading it from the front. and My company doesn't run without me leading it from the front. So I'm obviously out there on the ground, either you know training training some of my guys, or I'm either in the retailers, you know, making sales myself. So you know it's it my my day-to-day varies like you know constant conference calls all the time so it's really just you know being you know time management you know, time management is really big into what i do i can see that i can see that working working a,
0: a similar job you, the day flies by before i know it it's noon before i knew it it's three o'clock in the afternoon and then it's five days over
1: yeah like you just and you just kind of looked up He's like Shit, I even get done with half of half of stuff I wanted to do? It's tough. So, what
0: do you do to manage your time? What's your strategy behind that?
1: Um, you know, r- right now I think you know, for me, I'm still struggling with that, and you know, I'm lucky enough to have a really great mentor who kind of walks me through, you know, on things on what to do now to help me run my company. Okay. And so I write. I mean, recently I've been writing things down a lot. I, sh- you know, and I've been writing more so the night before than the day off.
0: Oh, like that. I might still. You know,
1: yeah, writing everything down, it really just creates a bigger picture, and it actually tells you how much more time you have throughout your day. Like, it, it's you know, when I write everything down and I'm planning out my day, I like, I see, like, a big gap. I'm like, shit, this is the time, like, I can either answer emails.
0: It's just a matter of, I guess, what's on your to-do list.
1: and it, it's,
0: yeah. it's being stuck in the busy trap, I guess is what I'm saying. You think you're busy yeah. the entire yep. workday. But then when you take a step back and, and see, you know, how you're spending and investing your time into achieving what you have to achieve by the end of the day, you kind of realize how much time you're actually wasting. And I think when you write things down, you get a you get a good sense of where your time
1: is, is being put to use. Absolutely. So, um, you know, writing things down just became a big part of my day-to-day now.
0: So what would you say would be your biggest leadership message?
1: Um, so I can't really consider myself a leader. Leadership to me is, you know, creating other leaders, creating other success in other people. And I don't think I've done that yet, so I don't really consider myself a leader. But I think, you know, it's leading by example, following through with everything that you're, you're everything that you say you're going to do, you do. You never ask somebody to do something something that you haven't done. And, you know, you spend time with the people that you want to build. Hanging out with, you know, the right group of people. Because uh, eventually, you know, you become the person that you only hang out with the most. Yeah, you know, so, you know, that that came along line with, you know, also having to cut some of the people out in my life or having to reduce the amount of talking time that I have with people in my life to better myself and grow myself so I don't kind of get stuck back into the Long Island gate, that, that quitter mindset.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, you, you keep doing the same thing that you've been doing before. You keep talking to the same people about the same old shit. You keep doing the same thing that you've always been doing on the weekends. Like, what? What? that does nothing for you. That's
0: a good point. There's no growth in that.
1: And then, no, and then, you know, you kind of look around. You start blaming other people for wh- where you're not. You start blaming other people for where you are not in life. And, you know, you stop taking responsibility for everything that you go through. And you blame it on everybody else. You end up taking the victim role and it just never works out in
0: your favor. Yeah, you make a really good point. I'm kind of listening to you speak right now and just I, I couldn't agree more with you.
1: Yeah, so like, you know, for me right now, it's I, I've sacrificed a lot. I've had to sacrifice. Like, I used to love the club life. I used to love going out with my friends, you know, spending a lot of money in the city, getting getting bottles, getting tables. Um, you know, hanging out on those su- summer on those summer nights at, at the clubs, you know, outside, like going to the Jersey Shore, doing all of that, you know. And I loved every bit of it. But I knew if I wanted to be successful, and I, I knew if I, you know, wanted to continue continue growing as an individual, I had to stop the bad habits. Well, not so much the bad habits. I had to stop the things that were holding me back. I had to stop living for those days and spending mo- all all the money that I'd made for those times.
0: I wouldn't say there's much ROI in a night at the club.
1: Definitely what? not. Once <laughs> you were running it, but that's about it.
0: That's true, and you had experience running it too, so you saw both ends.
1: Yeah, I did, you know, and again, it, it gets you sucked into this life. Again, a lot of my friends are super successful doing it, and, you know, some of my friends are making 200, 300K doing it, and that's great. I just never saw myself being, you know, having that type of dedication and that mindset to be able to go and it.
0: Okay, okay. So... At the end of the day, if I, were to, if I were to, you know, put a title on you uh, or describe you in a few words, I would say you're extremely focused. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. No, I mean, there, there's... I'm in every day. I wake up motivated every day. And I'm excited to get up because I'm excited about my day at work. I'm excited to, to kind of, you know, I've, I've worked for something for two years to get where I am now. And it, it was a struggle.
0: What was that struggle like?
1: So when I when I got the job, like you know, starting in this whole industry that I'm in now, um, I I was at a point where I was stuck. I was stuck, you know, working in nightlife and personal training all at the same time. I was making like you know $1,500 a week cash, and my mom just kind of looked at me and was just like, "Yo, you need a job." Like, what do you mean, mom? I'm making $1,500 a week, that's 75 grand a year. What's the problem? It's just like you pay no taxes. Like, and what's the big deal?
0: It's time to grow like up, it
1: yeah. I was like, what, "What do I care? I'm I'm, t- I'm 21, I'm 22, and I'm making fifty. I'm making 75 grand a year. What, is, what does it matter? You know what I mean?
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, and, I hear you.
1: And and then you know, my mom kind of got to a point where it was like, "Yo, you need a job." And the girl that I was dating at the time, you know, she kind of looked at me also was just like, "Yo, you need a job. Like, you know, I know you make good money, but like, there's no future in this. Like, you have no career, like there's there's no there's no career here." Like, you're going to be in the same mundane routine every day. Yeah. And, you know, so I just ended up applying to this place. And, you know, I I started taking things more seriously because I I finally found a career. And then I started taking myself too seriously. And then so working with other people, working with other people my age, because I was so motivated and I was so in love with what I was doing, it was harder for other people to understand that. but It was also harder for me to understand how other people thought coming into what we do it was harder for me to relate to others who weren't as motivated or they just wanted a job or they just wanted an experience. Like, I didn't get that. Like, to me, that didn't make any sense. I was like, yeah. what are you talking about? We're 22 years old. We got to fucking run. We have to go. Yeah,
0: you, I mean, it, it went from a job to a career.
1: Yeah, and mm-hmm. then, you know, so, it, you know, my struggles came from, you know, probably just growing as an individual myself, which is why I was so in love with what I was doing because I was constantly challenged constantly checked on the day-to-day where I was constantly uncomfortable I was never I was never like complacent or comfortable I was just like literally the constant you know just every day a learning experience whether I was learning something about myself or you know hitting those sales at the end of the day where I worked so I worked five hours to get nothing and then you know at the last 30 minutes of my day I, I get I get everything that I needed for my day you know, so it was a constant battle of attitude, mentality, growing that muscle, and, you know, kind of, again, getting out of the old habit that Gabe used to do, blaming other people, blaming other situations, not taking responsibility for, for my own actions, my own attitude.
0: Wow. Yeah, I, I think that's where the turning point is for just about anybody.
1: And when you have somebody look at you and straight up say, like, Gabe, you're a selfish prick, and you think about nobody else, which is what I was told. I was like, yes people are just like, you're selfish. Oh, wow. You think about nothing but yourself, and you have a bad attitude. You want it, and I was literally just, I was told all of this on one day. I was told, like, I, you know, that I should have been successful just because I thought I should have been. Like, the world owed me something. I'm like, no one's ever put it to me like that. No one's ever flat out said to me, like, you know, no one owes you shit.
0: Yeah, I, I think, I think that's a great way to put it.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I had to learn a lot of skills that I didn't get to get in school. I had to learn, how to reach out to other people for help more? I had to learn how to humble myself out and you know be open to helping other individuals more so. You know, not being so intense, not being so you know rude to others when I coach. And, and you know, I never meant it. I, I'm just you know, again, I'm a New Yorker, so like everything I said, it, everything was just intense. Like it just sounded like I was angry all the time. Yeah, it always sounds like I'm angry now, but I'm not.
0: Not at all. Not at all. I see the smile through Thanks. the screen. There's definitely no anger. No anger coming in this interview. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, but I, I, se- I sense the drive out of you, and that's what that's what I really love about it. I, I think there, there's like right now, there's a point you're, you could just have the mindset in your in your life right now. Where there's there's no compromise anymore. You know, there's no there's well, no they're, resort. They're
1: be. I mean, let, let's take a look. I mean, I, I've gone to you know, I went from New York. I uprooted my entire life. I pretty much stopped everything I was doing and said, I'm making I'm making the step. And then I went to Raleigh. I stayed in Raleigh for a year. Then I got my shot. And then they said I didn't really get like any like so they asked me, they're like, Do you want to go to Charleston? I'm like, Yeah, absolutely. When do I leave? I left in four days after. Like that there, <laughs> there was no turning back at that moment. Okay. There was no saying like I'm going back to New York. I closed that back door and I told my parents the same thing. I was like, Mom, Dad, look, I love you guys to death but you can't keep telling me it's okay for me to come home. You can't keep telling me that, you know, there's always a place at home for me. There's always another job. That was always, that was always the problem. Mom and dad were always there. Mom and dad always had my back. No matter how independent I was, I knew I had mom and dad. Yeah. And once I shut that door, that's when it, everything just became way more real for me.
0: Burning the bridges. No looking back. So with that being I burned, said...
1: I burned my boat.
0: With, with that being said, what's, what's the future for the Char group?
1: So what I, you know, what I'm really aiming towards is um, I'd love to build out this market. I know there's a couple more retailers that we can get into, which I'm super excited about. Um, I know there's a couple more clients that you know we can bring down, bring down on board, you know, down in Charleston. So I, you know, the the, the opportunities are endless. And you know, what I, but more than anything, what I really want is I want to create business partners. I want to have somebody in the same position I am and put them next to me and say like, we're doing this together.
0: How how can you go about doing that?
1: Well, we set up qualifications within the company, and you know when someone meets those goals and those expectations, because it's set from the jump, they pretty much get advanced. Which is how which is how I got there. I, I hit you know I hit those expectations. I hit certain goals, and I I got to where I needed to be. And then same goes for somebody else. That's so I incorporate that individual. I make them a business partner.
0: Yeah, you can't do something like that what you're doing today alone. Not at all.
1: No. And, Especially when when you wanna grow and you wanna make a lot of money, it doesn't work that way. For sure. It's got to, it's gotta be a team effort. It's gotta be other people involved, other people in play.
0: Okay. So I appreciate you sharing, Gabe, your your, your past, your 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 day to day and what you're up to these days as as running as someone who's running your own business. I I have a few rapid fire questions, if you don't mind. Definitely. When you, like I said, how I was saying earlier, how you're you're a very focused person. I don't think there's anything getting in your way these days. But when you are feeling overwhelmed or unfocused just because of the sheer responsibility that you have to deal with, how do you cope with that?
1: I I drop, I drop my pride for a minute, and I called the, call the people who got me to where I am today. And I, and I tell them what I'm feeling. I tell them what I'm going through. And I ask them for help. I reach out. And I'm starting to learn that more, that I got to do that more.
0: Not being afraid to ask for help.
1: Yeah, just... Telling other, Letting other people in and letting them know like what, what you're going through. Because, you know, believe it or not, there's probably somebody else who's either going through something very similar to you or maybe even worse. Perspective becomes a very big thing.
0: Okay. Okay. Next question. You kind of already answered this, but I, I like the question, and, and I think it has a lot to do to sum up the interview. Is, is In the last recent years, what have you become better at saying no to?
1: What have I become better at saying no to? Um... You know, recently, I think right now, you know, being being 24, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I still like having a good time. I still like going out, and I think it's you know, and being in a company that relatively I work with people my age, it's you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's being able to say no to them when they go out as, as like as coworkers, and when other people are like, hey, let's go out on the weekend, or hey, let's go out. Or when I I meet someone, they're like, hey, let's hang out, let's do this. I I really can't. You know, I mean, I could, but again, I I have to prioritize and spend my energy and my time with the right right people.
0: Okay, so just prioritizing your life and making sure that the wrong people are out and the right people are in.
1: Again, the old game would want to do.
0: Okay, okay. So... Last question. If you were to go back in time and, and tell your 18-year-old your self, old Gabe, any sort of advice, what would you say? What would I tell
1: him? Stop being entitled prick.
0: <laughs> All right. I like that. I think everybody needs to hear that to their old self. I think that everybody was a entitled prick in their in their upbringing. I think it's tough to be that true, humble person that you are today, especially that far back in on the timeline.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man.
0: Okay. All right, Gabe. Well, any uh, last parting words before before we end this?
1: No, I think you know this this whole entire uh, interview is one motivational impact. So. I don't, I don't know if the listeners can handle one more thing, but if I had to say one thing, just be positive, have a good attitude, enjoy life. I love it. I love it.
0: All right, Gabe, well, I appreciate you coming on board. Uh, thanks for sharing everything, and um, thanks, man. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Andrew. Have a great night, man. All right, see ya.
0: All right. There you have it. That concludes episode three of Only Half the Story podcast with the one and only Gabe Raban. If you're digging the podcast, you know, feel free to shoot us a like, subscribe, or even share it with your friends or family. That'd be kind of cool. Anyhow, my name is Andrew Haft. This is Only Half the Story podcast, and we'll see you next time.